Amen. Wonderful singing. Let's open your Bible this morning to the book of Acts, chapter number 9. Of course, we're going through the books of Joshua and the book of Acts. And uh, I like to change them up, uh, which service I do them occasionally. And uh, last Sunday night, we began Acts chapter number 9 concerning the conversion of Saul and how he was changed. And uh, this morning, I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to begin in verse number 10, uh, picking it up where Ananias was sent by the Lord to him. And the title of my message this morning, well, I'll get to that in just a moment. Well, look at verse number 10 with me. Acts chapter 9, verse number 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And I seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went his way, and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent? that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews, which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to adjoin himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. 
And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. I want to direct your attention back to verse number 21 this morning. And this is where we get our theme from this passage. But all that heard him were amazed. This morning, the title of my message is, This is Amazing Grace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Lord, it is upon this text that you have brought us to today. And I'm praying, Lord, for the power and working of your spirit. Hide me in the message today, Lord. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about what you can do in a person's life when we give ourselves to you. I'm praying this morning that you will work through this message and help me, Lord, to preach as I've never preached before. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. You may be seated. As we've traveled through the book of Acts, we came to the place where Stephen was martyred for his faith. And if you'll look back at the end of chapter 7, in verse number 60, or verse number 58, rather, and the Bible says that they cast, they cast Stephen out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Imagine witnessing that event. Saul was there, the guy that we're reading about in chapter 9. He was there. And I don't know that he threw a stone, but I know this, he was cheering on the, the murder of the believer Stephen. And as he watched Stephen die, he take his last breath and the words that he said with a loud voice so that everyone could hear, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. That's something that never leaves you. Whether you agree with it or not, how a person dies is always remembered. That speaks to you. It's an important thing to see and hear what people have to say. You get to chapter 8, and the Jews have now become, they've really became zealous in their persecution of the church. In chapter 8, in verse 1, it speaks there that there was a great persecution against the church was at, at Jerusalem. And at the beginning of the chapter, the Bible says that Saul was consenting unto Stephen's death. He became the ruthless and savage leader of the persecution. You'll notice in verse number 3 concerning Saul that he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. 
Didn't matter where you were. Didn't matter who you were. Saul wanted the name of Christ to be snuffed out of Israel and the world. No longer did he want people to speak of the name of Jesus or teach of the name of Jesus because as Peter had testified earlier, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is power in the name of Jesus. Saul would enter into a home if it was known that you were a practicing Christian. He would enter in the home and he would take out the men and he would take out the women and deliver them to be placed in prison and even worse there in Jerusalem. In his own words, Saul testified of this time in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 13. He says, For ye have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure... I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. He went above and beyond in his persecution of the believers of Jesus Christ. Yet through such ruthless persecution, the gospel of Christ advanced throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. Just as just as the Lord had instructed the apostles to take the gospel in Jerusalem and carry it to Judea and Samaria, the Lord used the persecution of the church to scatter the believers. And everywhere they went, they preached Jesus Christ until we get to this point here in in our text in, in verse number 31 where the Bible says that throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria... There were churches and men of, and women of God who were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that they were multiplied. What a blessing that was. When we get to chapter 9, we, Saul was traveling as far as Damascus, Syria, breathing out threatenings and slaughter, the Bible says in verse 1 of this chapter against the disciples of the Lord with plans to deliver men and women of the faith bound unto Jerusalem. And during this journey, Saul met the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. And he personally experienced the salvation, not based on his own efforts. It was instead a salvation based entirely upon what Christ did at the cross. It was a salvation by grace. Paul was on his way to persecute the believers, and he met the Lord in the way. And even though it was the noon of the day when the sun is at its highest, there was a light that shone upon him that was brighter than the sun. And some say he was riding a horse, maybe he's riding an ass, maybe he was just walking, I don't know. But whatever it was, it put him down on the ground. And the Lord called his name. He said, Saul, Saul, why why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And, 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 And Saul, under conviction, realizing it was a voice of authority, he says, he says, what wilt thou have me to do, Lord? And in that moment, the Lord instructed him what to do. And 
he sent Ananias to him. And there was a transformation in his life. And Paul would later preach this gospel of Jesus and this salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus alone. Grace is the merciful, loving kindness through which God shows his favor upon us despite the sins we have committed against him. Despite Saul's testimony, look back in verse 13, when the Lord called unto Ananias to go unto Saul. Ananias answered, he said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. Despite what Ananias had heard concerning Saul through the testimonies of many people concerning how much evil he had done to the saints at Jerusalem, the Lord Jesus Christ wanted to see him saved. Despite your past, despite your background, despite the many sins that you have committed to the point that even some who have testified to me over the years God could never save me. Despite all of those things, God wanted to see Saul saved. And it wasn't something that Saul could now suddenly do. It wasn't, he didn't say, I want Saul to change his life and and, and now I will save him. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God revealed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the Lord sees us who we are. Sawyer, he sees you for who you are, you know. Billy sees you for who you are. There's nothing that we do that we can hide from God. God knows all of those things. And sometimes the realization of that causes us to run from God. We're, we're terrified of God's judgment. And because we have done wrong and we realize that God knows, we run from God. And so sometimes people will offer up the phrase, you know, if I walked into the church, the roof would fall over on me. As far as I know, that has not happened. Right? What if the roof falls in on you, Shane, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior? Right? God knew, God didn't need Ananias to remind him of what Saul had done. He didn't didn't have to hear the testimonies of everyone else to know what he had done. What God knew was there was a sinner in need of a Savior. Amen? And I want us to be convicted of this thought this morning before we leave here. It is not for us, Justin, to judge who needs to hear about Jesus and who doesn't. And we do that. We're guilty of that. We'll decide who we want to give a track to or who we want to invite to church or whose door we want to knock on. We, a lot of times, we'll determine that. We'll think, well, that one, if I tell that one, he's going to curse me. Well, if Ananias said, if I tell, if I tell Saul, he's going to kill me. The Lord said, don't you worry about all that. He he means something to me. Are you with me? It is not for us 
to be judge and juror over who God wants to save. It is ours to obey the Holy Spirit of God and deliver the truth and the hope and the love that is found in Jesus Christ alone. A lot of times we're guilty of that. Now, the Lord didn't need Ananias to tell him. God just simply knew that there was a sinner who needed to be saved. And God even had a plan for his life. Mikey, you know when you got saved, listen, for you that was the beginning. That is what the Bible describes as being born again, right? Spiritually you're changed. But you have no idea at that moment, God has a plan and a purpose for your life that he wants you to do in him. He's got a new path that he wants you to walk. He's got, a new, he's got a new conversation that he wants to put in your heart. He wants to do something with your life. And it's the same for, the, for Saul. God, God had a new plan for his life, a new path for his life. And God help Ananias if he didn't obey the Lord. Saul realized this. Salvation came to him not because he was a good person or not because he figured some things out in his life and he changed them before he came to Jesus or came to church. What Saul realized was this, that salvation comes by grace through faith. And as he let the man that we later know as the Apostle Paul, and he writes to the, uh, the believers in Ephesus, he says that salvation didn't come unto ourself. He says, For by grace you saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He, Jojo, God doesn't want you to go around bragging about how good you are. God wants you to go around bragging about how good Jesus is. Are you with me? You couldn't earn your way to heaven if you tried. You couldn't do good enough. You couldn't live good enough. And yet a lot of people are blinded to that thought, and that's what they think. That's their way to heaven. That's their ticket to heaven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing right. I'm going to start living right. Well, praise the Lord for that. I'm glad you are, but you need God's help in the process. You can't do it on your own. And so Saul realized this. Salvation came to me not because of, not because of I was a zealous for God. His zeal for God killed believers. He realized that God, in spite of himself, God loved him and gave his son to die for him. Salvation is by grace alone. And it is, a, it is an amazing grace. Then we see that there is a transformation by grace. I want everyone to understand this. God doesn't want to save you and leave you to wallow in the same lifestyle he delivered you from. Are you with me? God saved you from your sin. He saved you out of your sin. He didn't save you so that you could go right back out and continue in the same filthy, dirty sin that led you to realize your need for Jesus to begin with. God wants to transform you, Austin. He wants to transform my life. I will say this. I will, I, I will say this. The, the person who I was when I was 18 or 19 years old is dead. 
There's been such a transformation. But I will even say this. The person I was when I came on staff here in 2015 is dead. I'm not the same man today that I was then. There is a constant work of God's transforming grace throughout our life. Paul, he wrote of this in Titus chapter 2. In verse 11 through 14, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly lusts and ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify in himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. The Lord wants to transform us. Do you realize this, that there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who get saved and get in the church for a little while and they go right back to where they come from. They lose sight of the fact that this, is what the, this was their life without Christ. And there's such a pull to go back to that lifestyle. There's such a draw to go back to that, that they, that they want that more than they want to see their lives transformed with Christ. Saul, Saul didn't want to go back to that life. Miss Sarah, don't ever want to go back to that life. Amen. Don't ever want to go back to that life. What is the draw? What is there waiting for you? Saul's life was completely transformed. The grace of God affected his life. Now the Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, Paul later, he, he spoke of this time period. There was a, that Luke doesn't mention, somewhere in Acts chapter 9, Saul, he left, he left Damascus, he went to Arabia. He had with him the Word of God and the Lord transformed his understanding of who God was. The Lord affected him. And when he comes back, in Acts chapter number 9, read with me in verse 19. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which are Damascus, and straightway... He preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on his name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. Saul didn't allow the negative memories of him to, to keep him from serving the Lord. Do you know what, Josh, do you know what probably is one of the greatest hindrances for you to serve the Lord? It's your own memories and it's your own fear. Everywhere Saul went said, oh, we remember you. Everywhere he went, people ran to the other side of the room. Later, you'll see this. He goes to Jerusalem. He wants to join up with the church. He wants to join the disciples. And they're afraid of him. They don't want anything to do with him. That's the first century church. That happens in our churches today, doesn't it? It does. We can't be foolish to think it doesn't. 
We, we focus on somebody's past and somebody, the, the memories that we have of them. And we're, we don't realize the transforming work of God's grace. I'll quickly move to the next point before I do. Let me share this with you. I was reading of a missionary years ago in New Guinea. And uh, if you don't know this about the history of New Guinea, they were known as cannibals. They would eat you. And there was, this missionary was in this particular uh, place, and they were there to, to worship the Lord. They were there to fellowship. And there was a young man in that room, and he was sitting beside the preacher. And the preacher noticed that when this particular gentleman walked into the, into the room, the young man sitting beside him suddenly just shivered with a nervous anxiety. And in just a moment, he, he was fine. And the preacher asked him, he said, what's wrong? He said, nothing, it's all good. He said, no, I could tell something bothered you when that man walked in the room. He said, that man killed and ate my father. But I realized when he came in to sit with us, he's here because he was transformed by the grace of God. He said, it's difficult for me to think about the past, but I praise God for what he's doing today. That brings me to my final point, and that is the fellowship of grace. Where would we be without one another? Are you with me? Hey, look to the person beside you and say, I don't know where I'd be without you. Yeah, guys, do it. <laughs> where would I be without you? We, we know Saul who becomes the great Apostle Paul, the great preacher, the great missionary, the great church planner, the great soul winner, we know that. I mean, we have, we owe many books of the Bible, the Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, and many believe Hebrews. We, we owe many books of the Bible to him. We owe our New Testament church doctrine to him. But I'm going to tell you something, Steve. There's a good chance he doesn't get to where he's at without people investing in his life. I mean, he is there blind, not eating, sitting in a, sitting in a room on the, on the road called Straight waiting for the Lord to send somebody, and the Lord sends Ananias to him. Change his life. I, follow along with me. In verses 19 through 25, the Bible just speaks of the disciples. It, it says in verse 19, when he received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain day with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And he goes forth and straightway he preached in the synagogues that he is the son of God. 
And then in verse 21, people are talking about his past. But verse 22, he's, he's increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. Now, I realize this. I realize he's finding strength in Christ and his new relationship with Christ. But I'm going to tell you something, Gary. It helps me to draw strength when I come to you and you give me one of your big old hugs and you're encouraging me. Say, I love you, brother. I'm here for you, brother. I'm with you, brother. That's encouraging. And so Saul would go in. He'd preach Christ to the synagogues. And people would get all upset. And they'd get furious at him. And, and yes, a big part of his testimony was, I don't care about that. I'm still going to teach people about Jesus. But I don't care who you are. All of us need somebody encouraging us in our life. All of us. You get to verse 23. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying awake was known as Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. You know, stick, for about two seconds, I thought of illustrating that point. I thought of climbing in a basket and letting you let me down by a rope. And I just realized I don't know that you love me that much. Decided not to do that. Those men, they loved this new converted Christian. He's just new in his faith. He's learning. He is not the great apostle Paul yet. He is learning. And they love him. And he's so bold in his faith that people want him dead. Man, some power, that's some transforming grace. They want him dead, and so they just say, listen, you get in this basket, we'll let you down the wall, and you can go free. Then, you'll see in verses 26 and 27, a man by the name of Barnabas. That when Saul was come to Jerusalem, and he wanted to join himself the disciples, they were all afraid of him, and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, and brought him to the apostles, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. And that he had spoken to him. And how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. There wasn't great invitations for him. But there was a man of Barnabas who has always seemed to be encouraging some young man in the faith. He does that with his uh, John Mark later on in the book of Acts. He's just someone there and he says, listen, I've heard him preach. This man's a preacher. I've, I've heard his testimony. God saved him. God's transformed his life. And I'm going to tell you something. Who you know, what, everything you heard, Clint, about Saul, you need to get rid of that because I'm going to tell you something. God has changed this man's life. I've witnessed it. I can testify of it. And this young man who, who was who the, the church, the first Baptist church in Jerusalem said, we don't want him here. There's a man named Barnabas that says, you need to have him. And then... Lastly, in verses, well, not lastly, verse 28 through 30, there's the brethren. It says, and he was with them coming in and going out in verse 28. And he spake bold in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. Uh, but they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. 
I'm glad to have people who look out after me. And there are people who look out after you. And they said, listen, Saul, we appreciate your preaching. We appreciate your love for the Lord. But right now, we need to get you out of here so you can keep doing it. The brethren met his need. And then you see the soul winners in verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. After Saul got saved, after his life is transformed, there's the great persecution on the church dies down a little bit. There's a period of rest throughout all the churches in Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And the church of God were edified. And they were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy the Holy Ghost, and the Bible says that they were multiplied. Everywhere they went, they continued to tell people about Jesus Christ. And the Lord was no longer adding to the church daily. We saw the Lord was multiplying believers in the church daily. Listen to me. This is amazing grace. This is amazing grace. We're saved on by the grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. If that don't excite you and fire you up for your faith in Christ, you need to come to the altar this morning and get some things right with the Lord. All God's people should say amen. I want you to leave here this morning excited about your faith. I realize a lot of you have come here today and you have dealt with things throughout the week and you got burdens that you're carrying and you got some things where that fire that once flamed and burned bright is now being dimmed a little bit and you're getting a little cold in your testimony and some of you are looking back yonder and you're drawn to your past rather than your future with Christ. I want that fire to burn within you. I want it to burn within me. Because I'm saved, not because of anything I've done. I'm saved solely because of what Jesus Christ has done. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, may today be the day of your salvation. Listen to me. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you were to die today, you would spend eternity in hell. Hell. One of the things that transformed Saul's life is he used to lead people to hell. Don't go to hell. The Lord is offering a free gift to anyone who will receive it. Anyone. And it costs him a great price. And despite your past and despite your sin, the Lord Jesus sees a future for you. That will lead you to an eternity with him. I want everyone here this morning to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to change me. Change me. Change me. I can look back and I can see how you've changed me to this point. Lord, I want you to change my life. I want you to transform me into the believer that you've called me to be.
if you're satisfied with who you are, you've lost sight of all that God wants to do for you. And then lastly tonight, or this morning, I preached too long, haven't I? Lastly, I want you to do this. I want you to give thanks for all the people who's invested in your life. And I want you to pay it forward by investing in other people's life. I told you last Sunday, I come to this pulpit and I was struggling. I was struggling personally. And it was just one of those Sundays where, Lord, I don't really want to preach today. And you people encouraged me so much. You blessed me with a good week. Allow God to use you and be an influence in other people's life. I have learned this over the years when I'm, when I'm discouraged, even to the point of being depressed. If I can look for others to encourage, it always encourages me. You know the saying, I went to be a blessing, but instead I'm the one that got blessed. Be a part of the fellowship of God's grace. This is what God did for me, and this is how God used other people in my life. I want to be used to invest in other people's life. Let's bow our heads.